Welcome to the Unsafe Space podcast. What you're about to hear is an audio version of our weekly show, Deprogrammed, which is live streamed on YouTube every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific. You can find Deprogrammed and other unsafe content on the Unsafe Space YouTube channel. If you enjoy these conversations, please consider supporting Unsafe Space by visiting unsafespace.com. Thanks for listening. Now, here's Deprogrammed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Deprogrammed on Unsafe Space. I am your co-host, Carter Laren, and I am joined, as always, by the bad mamma jamma, Carrie Smith. Hi, Gary. guys. Hi, Carter. Welcome again to everyone joining. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Unsafe Space, YouTube at Unsafe Space. Uh, there's a podcast called, you guessed it, Unsafe Space, and you can go to unsafespace.com. Uh, the show is deprogrammed. And, um, but uh, today we're excited to be joined by Megan Murphy. You may have read about her uh, when she was banned from Twitter last year for questioning trans activist ideology. She's a writer and journalist in Vancouver, British Columbia. She's the founder and editor of Feminist Current, Canada's leading feminist website, and has published work in numerous national and international publications including Al Jazeera, Quillette, Unheard, the CBC, and more. Megan holds a master's degree in gender, sexuality, and women's studies. She's banned from Twitter, but uh, you can visit her at uh, feministcurrent.com to follow her work. And Feminist Current still has a Twitter account, which is Feminist Current. Uh, so until they're banned, uh, you can still see what they have to say. Megan, uh, welcome to Deprogrammed. Hi, happy to be here. Hi. In my apartment. Awesome. <laughs> like always. Megan, oh, I am so excited to have you on. You should know that um, this is the most fangirl out I'm going to have been yet with a guest. So I'm a little nervous. Oh, <laughs> exciting. Yeah, but I think you're, I think the reason why is I was telling Carter, uh, it doesn't matter if people agree with you or not. I think they have to acknowledge that you're pretty friggin' brave and, and authentic because uh, I've been following you for a couple years and I saw you sort of being ostracized like with the rabble thing and which we can talk about later, but um, you were fearless even as people, I cause I was in this fem the third, third wave feminist kind of movement or what I call SJW movement. And uh, I was just in awe of how you didn't care and people were slinging names at you. And it was like, you were, you were, trying to speak what you felt to be truth before other people were doing it, at least in my opinion. So anyway, well, thank you. Nice Compliments. Um, yeah, I mean, I do really try to be as authentic as possible and I try very hard to tell the truth. So I guess you end up uh, being controversial sometimes if you do that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Apparently. Yes. But you also engage people who disagree with you, which I really appreciate. I mean, I've seen you write about that and, uh, and you're, you know, you're not afraid to just go have a conversation, even, even with people who disagree, um, which is something that unfortunately I feel like used to happen a lot, but nowadays uh, there's a lot of, there's a large segment of the population who just doesn't want to engage with people who disagree with them. So. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I like because I really like it. I mean, I just I think I just really like talking to people in general. And there's no reason I'm not afraid of disagreement or conflict. I mean, as far as like political conflict goes, I mean, nobody like 
personal conflict or interrelationship conflict but like as far as like disagreement goes yeah it just doesn't it doesn't really bother me that much I don't I take personal offense to it for the most part and yeah I just I find it really interesting to talk to people who have different perspectives and I think you're right people have like totally decided that they only want to talk to other people who see things exactly the same way as them and if they don't see things the same way as them then they must be ostracized and vilified like it's a super like hyperbolic kind of way of engaging with the world (laughs) yeah or called names i mean they've invented they've invented names for you they've invented names for lots of people who with whom they disagree yeah um, yeah so so you megan a lot of i think probably some of the people who are watching our podcast were not in the feminist movement like you and i were and i watched your debate from a few days ago i think it was with uh about in calgary it, yes with the trans activism and whether or not it's damaging to women's rights um and i love that you started i was telling carter i love that you started your argument with definition of terms because Yes, so often if we're people are talking past each other if they don't understand what the other person is saying. So a lot of people who are watching probably aren't familiar with um, the different types of types of feminism or the the uh, controversy within feminism. So like for example, would you mind just defining for people what what a radical feminist is versus like a liberal feminist? Yeah, um, I mean the 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 word radical in radical feminism just means to get at the root. So I think people usually um, assume that radical means like extremist, um, but yeah, that's not what it's meant to mean when we're talking about radical feminism. So it just means that like looking at what's happening underneath, look at the looking at the systems that are at play um, as opposed to just addressing kind of surface issues or trying to reframe certain maybe like more superficial issues or aspects of patriarchy or aspects of our culture as empowering. Like for example, liberal feminism or third wave feminism, depending on what you want to call it, has you know largely decided that things like, I don't know, stilettos or like pole dancing or something like that can be empowering for women if she chooses it so it's sort of like a matter of reframing these things through language and through individual you know individual experiences so it's like well if I feel good about this or if I choose it or if I personally like it then that's feminist and that's empowering and it's not thinking about like the larger impacts, the larger contexts, um, the larger, again, systems that might be propping up things like the sex industry and, and the objectification of women and stuff like that. I don't know if that's sort of a complicated way of explaining it. Yeah, but. that's great. So would you would you say that uh, a simplification might be that like radical feminists, for example, are more like anti-porn, anti, um, uh, I'm trying to think of another good example. Anti-sex whereas- work. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the key issues for radical feminism right now, in any case, is is pornography. Pornography has always been a a main issue. That's been an issue in in, that was an issue in second wave radical feminism as well. Um, Prostitution, violence against women, um, the sex trade. And now, of course, we're dealing with this gender identity thing. And that's a huge split between the radical feminists and liberal feminists or what I would call the SJW 
mm-hmm. of feminism. Can we yeah. also maybe just step back and define gender? Because I think a lot of people like me, I grew up not distinguishing between gender and sex. And then, you know, I guess maybe post-college kind of hung around people and kind of learned like, oh, gender, I was, what I was told was, oh, gender is like how you present and sex is biological. But I feel like now I'm not even clear what some of the trans activists necessarily mean or what, I just want to define terms. So I when we're having a discussion. I don't know what they mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't think well, they know well, what they mean at all. Well, well, you have a degree in gender studies. So define the terms for us. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> there's a master's degree in this. <laughs> um, yeah, so gender is just, gender just refers to, gender refers to gender roles. So the social roles, the stereotypes, the ideas that we have around what kinds of behavior and what kinds of likes and dislikes um, people uh, engage in based on their sex. So, you know, when a baby boy is born, he's socialized into a certain role. It doesn't mean that he, um, I mean, of course, it doesn't mean that he he necessarily fits into all these things or, or will turn out this way, but he's sort of socialized towards being assertive, um, maybe aggressive, uh, unemotional, um, towards, you know, playing with trucks as opposed to playing with dolls, uh, socialized away from wearing dresses and, and typical like girl activities, like, I don't know, ballet or whatever. Um, and girls are socialized more towards being polite, um, towards, you know, it's more acceptable for, for girls and women to express their emotions, to um, be passive, to they're kind of treated as more delicate. And of course, towards, you know, playing with dolls and maybe towards like motherhood, like that nurturing thing or towards like cooking and those kinds of activities. Um, so that's what gender is. Sex, yeah, sex is just about the body. It's just about whether or not you're male or female. Um, and I tend to just believe that, you know, whether or not there are certain gender traits or gender roles that might be biological due to things like evolution, um, like that I think that I think does factor in a little bit. I don't think we can chalk it all up to socialization, but I think we can chalk a lot up to socialization. And in general, I just don't think it's good to impose stereotypes on people. I think people should be free to be themselves and people have different personalities and different likes and dislikes. And it's not necessary or healthy for us as a society to kind of like funnel or force people into these really binary to use a popular SJW <laughs> to these binary roles where you're either this or you're either that. And if you step out, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So that's a pretty reasonable position, right? You're saying that there, I just, I want to just clarify, because you're not saying you're an environmental essentialist. There are some biological factors, but a lot of it is social. And, um, and you're saying, it sounds like uh, kind of, using those socialized stereotypes and kind of forcing people into those stereotypes is unhealthy, which also makes sense. Um, so with the classic example, just, you know, for old people like me, with the classic example, I like, too. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> I just like, hide it well, maybe. <laughs> a tomboy is what they would say, like to a girl who maybe doesn't fit uh, the, the gender stereotype, but she'd still be considered a girl and a woman. They would just right. say, they would have terminology to kind of describe that she's not, she doesn't fit into the kind of uh, normal social, 
I don't know. I don't know how to. She doesn't have the attributes that that socially we view as as feminine. Yeah, she doesn't like the things that girls are supposed to like. So like when I was a kid, I hated dresses. I hated the color pink. I wanted to play with trucks. I kind of wanted to play with the boys. Um, I had I wanted short hair. I didn't want to go to ballet class. And when I did go to ballet class, I wore the boys outfit. Like I was like, I'm not wearing pink leotard. <laughs> all the black stuff and like black slippers um and yeah in those days like in the 90s girls who who sort of rejected feminine stereotypes let's say were called tomboys um but now of course we're sort of leaning towards this thing where if a girl rejects feminine stereotypes or if a boy rejects masculine stereotypes they might actually have an entire different person living on the inside of them waiting to come out. And that person is a different sex somehow. <laughs> That's a weird way of explaining it, but it's like, oh, he likes dolls. Maybe he's not just a boy who likes to play with dolls, but he's actually a girl, which makes yeah. no sense. So I instead think of losing so... gender stereotypes, we've like tightened them again. We've tightened them up. Yeah, I actually read, I forget who wrote it, but I read a, a piece by a girl who, a woman, who, it, it was basically a personal essay talking about how she was a tomboy as a, as a child and she hunted with her dad and wore camouflage and thought she was a boy. And, and she was like, thank God I didn't grow up in this day and age because they probably would have, I probably would have been on hormone treatment. They probably would have said I was a boy. And um, I think I think what we're doing now is sort of, I think we're forcing children to grapple with something that 99% or more of kids don't haven't ever grappled with before and don't have to grapple with, but now they're having to decide. So one of the things I like that you said in the debate was you talked about this term cis and in the, uh, in, while you were defining what it was, you, you said, uh, I don't have a gender identity. Can you explain what that means a little bit? Yeah. Well, it's like this, this idea that you have a gender identity, I mean, I do think that it's really regressive because it it takes us back to this place where there's innate gender that you can't escape and that it's inherently connected to your biology. So this idea that somehow like there's some kind of like mysterious like inner essence and that inner essence either feels masculine or feels feminine and that's what determines your sex. Um, and, you know, like, I don't know what, like, who, what I feel like on the inside, it's just me. It's just my personality. It doesn't feel feminine. It doesn't, I don't know what that even means to feel like a woman. Like, I just, I have a female body. Um, but yeah, that's, it's not something, I wasn't born inherently feminine and inherently like attached to like makeup and like painting my nails and stuff like that like I do all this stuff but it's because I've been socialized into it which isn't to say that there's no free will or that I'm not making choices like I like wearing makeup because I feel like it makes me look prettier but <laughs> like... I think there's some biology at work there too I do. There might be a little bit. I mean, of course, like it's like, and I'm heterosexual. So there's this thing. I'm just being honest. I'm not promoting these ideas, but um, you know, like it's like you want to be seen as attractive by men if you're heterosexual, if you're a heterosexual woman. Um, but 
Yeah, it wasn't, I, I don't believe that little girls come out of the womb all wanting to, you know, wear stilettos and uh, put on pantyhose or like, you know, do or wear all these things that are supposedly connected to femininity. I mean, some girls do, some girls don't. There's like plenty of women that I know who wouldn't touch high heels to save their lives because they're actually really painful and damaging, um, who reject makeup, who don't shave etc etc um so yeah i mean i don't i don't i don't know what that means to have a gender identity i know what it means to have a personality and that's actually what i think these people are talking about i think people have yeah. personalities and they have likes and dislikes and some of those things might be innate a lot of those things are going to be environmental and cultural and social um and I don't know why we can't just leave it at that. I don't know why we can't just be like, oh, this boy likes these things or like, I'm a yeah. woman, I like these things instead of, you know, like categorizing everything in such a rigid way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, like I think we had a guest a couple of weeks ago, Libby, who mentioned that uh, she felt like towards the end of the 90s, we, we were kind of getting close to that where people were just kind of, oh, he's a boy who's kind of femme and, and there's a woman who's kind of, uh, you know, more traditionally masculine. And like that started to become kind of more okay and acceptable. And now we've kind of, as you said, regressed back to this, like, well, if you're a little bit femme, you've got to be, that means you're a woman inside your male body. Yeah. Um, or you're one yeah. of the 97 in between genders. Which, <laughs> <laughs> um, I also like that you pointed out uh, that that trans activists are not they don't speak on behalf of trans people and that there's a difference between trans activists and trans people um, because activists, I mean, they're ideologically driven. They have an ideology they're pushing and they don't, not every trans person agrees with this ideology. And, um, and so a lot of times when I'm criticizing my former belief system, because I used to, I used to push all of this stuff. I used to peddle what I called the SJW ideology. Um, when I'm criticizing trans activists or if I'm criticizing like fat positive positivity activists, I'm not criticizing fat people or trans people. It's like, I'm talking specifically about people who are pushing a certain belief system and, and uh, posturing as if they represent everyone, as if they've been elected to, <laughs> to represent these communities. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like that you pointed that out. And um uh, I was also wondering, what was the other? Yeah, I mean, like they, I feel like they're the ones who are essentialists. It's so weird because they're always accusing other people of being essentialist or accusing other people of being like, whatever, racist, transphobic, and all of these other names. I don't even, I honest to God, don't think that they're listening to what they're saying or that they even understand what they're saying because it's all hypocritical and none of it makes any sense. But it's like, you want to talk about like essentialism, like you're claiming that this tiny minority of people like these activists are very loud but they're a very small minority of people in the grand scheme of things are, are you know like treating trans identified people or they treat people of color or indigenous people like they do it to all these groups as this like um you know as if they're all the same as if they all share the exact same beliefs the exact same politics the exact same experiences and then yeah like you said sort of electing themselves as, as spokespeople <laughs> of, of these groups and it's like you're the one who's like being racist you're the one who's like stereotyping all of these groups i mean trans activists will often 
take up like indigenous culture as if there was just one indigenous culture instead of like tons and tons of very diverse indigenous cultures. Um, like, you know, oh, well, indigenous people and the third gender, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking, am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you feel free. Okay, I should always ask first because I have like a potty mouth. Um, I still ask and it's my podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, it's like, you don't know what you're talking about. First of all, you weren't there. You're not indigenous either. You don't have like aunties and grandmothers who are, are talking to you about what happened back then. And nobody really knows because a lot of that stuff isn't really documented. But also like these cultures aren't monolithic and um, yeah, same thing. With, like, there's plenty of of transsexual people or trans-identified people or whatever they want to call themselves, who I'm sure don't agree with trans activist tactics and ideology. Yet we don't really get to hear from those people. Or they're they're yeah. boycotted. Like, uh, like uh, my friend Mikey just spoke at this LGBT town hall for the Walk Away movement, and uh, one of the other panelists was transgender YouTuber Blair White, and they were they were uh, basically shut down by the very community that says that they represent, you know, LGBT people protested and were like, we don't want these, we don't want these opinions here. And it's like, but wait a minute, everyone on this panel is LGBT. Like you're, you're just, you're, they're ostracized. They become like, uh, you have to speak the one belief or you're out of the club, just like yeah. you and the, the turf thing. So, yeah. so can you tell people what turf that's a great uh, jumping off point for that. What is TERF? What does it stand for and who uses it? It stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Um, it's used almost exclusively in the pejorative. So it's an insult. It's, it's totally like people pretend that it's just a neutral term, but it's not a neutral term. I mean, the whole point of it is to label somebody as bad right and to smear them and ensure they're ostracized and scare other people into like not associating with them um it also doesn't accurately describe anything i mean feminists who are critical of gender identity ideology and gender identity legislation are not interested per se in excluding people who identify as transgender um what we we are interested in is protecting women's spaces so we're still saying you know males can't access certain spaces like change rooms women's transition houses um female prisons things like that you know women's sports so we're excluding males <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with whether you identify as transgender or not um it's just sort of to it's it's a total like manipulation tactic to just frame us as like mean and bigoted when we're really just saying the same thing that we've always said and that really like most people in the world actually agree with most people in the world don't think it's possible for males to become female and don't think that males should be allowed to just walk into change rooms where women and girls are getting naked you know and parade around yeah most people don't think it's a good idea to transfer males to female prisons most people think it's crazy to let males compete with and against women in sports. Right. Well, well, they've right. moved beyond. That's because they, they've moved beyond saying that gender is a social construct, and they actually believe that biological sex is a social construct. Yeah. And they, they say that biological sex doesn't exist, 
And uh, they can't define, again, I love the way you define terms because they can't define terms. If they did, they would contradict themselves. So you kind of put this one guy, he was asking you some questions. And so you asked him, like uh, you said, what, what, uh, what is a woman? Or who is a woman? He said, anybody who identifies uh, as a woman. Uh. <laughs> yeah, anybody who identifies as woman. And then you're like, so what are they identifying as? As a noun. Well, what does that noun mean? You know, <laughs> like they can't actually define the terms. And I noticed they... Um, I've seen this before, but I noticed it in the debate that they will often, instead of defining terms, they'll say it's too complex. It's too complex to to define biological sex. So there's yeah. no definition. Actually, um, it's actually one of the clearest things to define. Like, I mean, we, so? we just didn't. Yeah, I mean, I just interviewed an evolutionary biologist recently, and he, he was talking about like if you the the if you make a graph of uh, sex in, you know, all the sexual attributes, like biological attributes of, of humans, it's like clearly bimodal. It's one of the most obviously binary things that you could possibly, like anything else in science that you measured that was that uh, clearly bimodal, you would say, oh, this is obviously, there's two of these, uh, except for sex. Apparently we can't say that. Yeah, I mean, you can you can determine sex through a blood test. Um, when they dig up bones from like thousands of years ago, they can tell if those bones belong to males or females. Like, it's really not hard to determine sex. And most people, like trans activists, like to like talk about genitals a lot. You know, like they they accuse us of being obsessed with genitals, but they're the only ones who are saying genitals, genitals, and it's like. Like, are you going to do like a panty check, which is such a gross thing to say because the word panty makes me want to barf. It's a gross word. It's on my gross words oh, list. Oh, gross. I hate it. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know how people it's, can say that word. It's right there with moist. Vomiting. Moist and panties. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and it's like, no, nobody wants to do that. But nobody really has to do that. Like for the most part, I mean, not always, of course, but the most part, for the most part, like we as human beings can tell who's male and who's female. And there's like good reason for that. And a lot of that is just subconscious, like, cause we can tell, you know, like the shape of, you know, like men's bones are different than women's bones and men's are in, men are in general, of course, like taller and stronger and bigger. Um, but also through things like scent and things like that, like there's all these ways that we can tell who's male and female, that isn't it about like, you know, forcing someone to like pull down their pants or whatever even doing tests right like it's ridiculous to pretend that that we can't that we can't tell and it's unknowable we actually yeah. um my friend and i were watching your debate and during the q a session we played a quick game of as people came up to the mic woke or not woke like trying to predict male <laughs> or female and uh, we got a few, quite a few of the woke or not woke wrong, but pretty sure we got all the male or female right. It's like, yeah, it's kind of just, it's, it's not that hard to discern. Yeah, which is why, I mean, the misgendering thing is so silly because it's like, just because you transition or because you decide you want a different identity does not mean that everyone else is going to know that, nor should they know that. And, you know, like this thing where we, <laughs> these people get like so like irate at being misgendered it's like sorry like people can tell you're male so they're going to refer to you as such like you can't force the entire world to play along with your desires or delusions like 
Well, let's get to get to do that. I mean, obviously, more and more people are Apparently Jack, to feel... Jack gets to. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jack gets to. <laughs> like it's like so, that everyone's supposed to be validated and every little feeling that they have, right? Can we can we actually talk about the Twitter ban a little bit because um I think there's a lot of kind of vague information about it and it was you know your name came up in the Joe Rogan podcast in which Tim Pool uh questioned uh Jack and his lawyer what was her name um Bija and she kind of said, well, you know, Megan was going after a particular person and she glossed over what actually happened. I've, I've read what happened. Lied but, about what happened. Yeah. So can, can you, why don't you tell us the truth about what happened? And actually you had a, there's a, there's a reason that one of these people at least was, was in a, even in, in your, your circle was because they were attacking your website. Can, can you kind of like tell us what's the context and what happened here? Yeah, so, I mean, at the, okay, where do I begin? <laughs> you can begin with uh, dominatrixes who are guys pretending to be women. Okay, That's right. Great... So I was criticizing this local activist who identifies as a dominatrix um, who identifies as what is the other thing that he identifies as? I mean, he, I think he identifies as a transsexual, not actually even as a woman or even as transgender. He's publicly identified himself as a eunuch also, which acknowledges that he's male. Um, and I guess that means he's had the surgery. Um, and he went after the ads on my website so he contacted she knows which is the the company that was responsible for putting ads on our website so he went after our source of income not our only most of our income comes from donations like the vast majority so it wasn't too big of a blow to lose the ads but it is some income so obviously oh, so he, gonna... he, ads. Not, he didn't just go he didn't just go after you he successfully went after you yeah, so he got the ads pulled from my website. Um, he also, you know, he he spoke at, he was a, a speaker at the Vancouver Women's March and at, took that opportunity to speak against and trash feminists, actual feminists, actual women who are critical of the sex trade and sort of presented prostitution as like an empowering choice for women. This is a man saying this. Um, he spent so much time and energy going after feminist activists. He went after another local anti-poverty activist here in Vancouver named Yuli Chan and like was involved in this massive smear campaign against her and had her kicked off a panel where she was supposed to speak about the impact of gentrification on low income Asian seniors like who were losing their housing. And this is all just because of these like vague kind of associations to myself and to Vancouver rape relief. So uh, basically tweets, like their their accusations against her were like, she retweeted a link to Feminist Current and like wow. she spoke on a panel like 10 years ago alongside so-and-so from Vancouver rape relief. Um, he's just freaking awful. And um, yeah, so I, I had been criticizing him. What else did he do? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, and 
then, so my account, I, I was just asked to delete some of those tweets and I did delete some of those tweets. And it was basically like, I had to delete every single tweet that had anything to do with him ever. So he- But you didn't say anything abusive. No, no, of course not. I was just talking about what literally happened. Um, but you used the wrong pronoun. That was their justification, right? Well, I I mean, I wasn't given any justification ever. Like oh. no one explained to me what it was about those tweets that was wrong. So oh. um, I don't know. And at that point, there like there was no misgendering rule in place until after I was banned from Twitter. Um, okay. And yeah, they just, I mean, they're so vague and they're so unaccountable. Like the appeals process doesn't achieve anything. And if you are asked to remove tweets or if your account is temporarily or permanently locked down, all they say is you've broken Twitter rules. You know, they'll cite hateful conduct, but they, they won't tell you what it is that you did wrong specifically. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, you're allowed to criticize people. You're allowed to criticize people's actions. You're allowed to criticize public figures. And especially when they're attacking you and smearing you and trying to go after your, your work and your income and go after other, other people as well. Um, so yeah, so I was made to remove some of those tweets. And then I was, this was just part of a conversation. This wasn't aimed at anybody in particular. I was just having a conversation with somebody and I said, men aren't women. And then I said, what is the difference between a trans woman and a man? Um, and that's something I ask of trans activists all the time. Like define what, it. what's the discernible? Yeah. First of all, define what transgender means, define what a trans woman is like, what, what, what's the line where you go from man to trans woman, what's the difference? Because what they're saying is this has nothing to do with surgery and hormones. Not that I think that surgery and hormones changes biological sex, but at least then there would be some kind of line and we could say, okay, so you're saying, you know, a trans woman is somebody who's gotten all this surgery and is on hormones and has this level of testosterone or whatever. Um, but that's not what they're saying. They're saying it's only based on self-identification. So the second a man announces that he's a woman, he's literally a woman like how does that happen what's the process there what is making him a woman what's different about him now than before so that's what i'm trying to ask right, right. so those two tweets i was made to delete um and i my account was locked down until i deleted those tweets like i did everything Can we just that reiterate that you got asked to delete a tweet that just said men are not women yeah that's all that's that crazy i know okay and by so, the way, everything you're predicting has come true. Like the, you are starting to see there was the that rap artist in the UK who like he he uh, did a deadlift and he was like, I identified as a female while I was doing it. So I broke the women's world record. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, and people are starting to mock it now. But sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue your no, Twitter. It's, okay. it's like a long saga. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like he's, I mean, he was doing it to point out how ridiculous it was. Um, but yeah, so there's that. And then finally, um, I tweeted a blog post about this guy who here in, in Vancouver had been calling up local estheticians and asking him to get, asking them to give him a Brazilian bikini wax. Did you guys see Guy is gross. We yeah. Look Jonathan I think is his name, right? So, and, uh, you know, on Twitter, 
he was still using that name, his male name. He still is using that name on Twitter. So, like, who? how are people supposed to know that now he's actually a woman? Um, you know, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and all these other places, it was, you know, Jonathan. Um, and sometimes he also uses Jessica. But so, yeah, so he was going around asking all these, like, putting these women in this really uncomfortable position, asking them to give him a Brazilian bikini wax, they, like, when he's obviously male. And a lot of these women, like, work out of their homes, so it's not safe for them either. And supposedly, I mean, I don't know, I've never given a man a Brazilian bikini wax before, but supposedly it's, like, an entirely different process. You need a different kind of wax, blah, blah, blah. Male body parts are different than female body parts. Banned. Banned. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, we can ban you right now. How dare you? By the way, he he actually on Twitter. I looked him up right now. He he, he actually now he goes by Jessica completely. Um, and oh, there's says no Jonathan pronoun- there anymore. No, Jessica, That's and the pronouns are she, hers, hers. Oh, but that's what it said. Out. He has to yeah. specify. That's really recent then, because up until very recently he was still Jonathan, and then he in brackets Jessica. Well, um, he probably, uh, people probably heard you mentioning that. He probably heard people talking about you mentioning that and changed it just so he could. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Continue to And so, people. okay, so, so you were, you tweeted this. So somebody found out his, his real identity because the media had been keeping him anonymous, um, a blogger. And so, and also, so the blogger revealed his real identity. She revealed that he's kind of like, just, you know, like, litigious essentially like this is suing all these women yeah but not just them like he has this long history of suing people like i don't know if it's how he makes his money or whatever but all the there's like tons of court documents of him engaged in all these these court cases because you know like he went to a theater and they smudged the room and he had a panic attack because of the smell and like those kinds of things like he's one of those people who will like you know, go to a restaurant and then complain that there's something wrong with the food and now you owe me like free pizzas for life or whatever. Like he just does this over and over and over again. So this was just his new thing that he did and he just used the trans thing as an excuse. So he claimed that when these women wouldn't give him a Brazilian bikini wax, they were discriminating against him because they were transphobic. He's a con man. He's using the ideology. Yeah. So, um, so this blogger revealed his real identity. She also revealed that he'd been, he'd made a bunch of like pretty creepy comments online about young girls. Um, so I posted a link to the blog and said, is it true that, you know, so-and-so is actually an, and linked to Yaniv's Twitter account. And uh, someone provided me with, I think, or I saw it online somewhere, a screenshot of a, a review he left under the name Jonathan um, with his face attached saying like, so-and-so did a great job on my Brazilian bikini wax, like on Yelp or something like that. So that confirmed his identity, confirmed that it was this guy. So I tweeted the screenshot and I said, yeah, it's him. And that's what they banned me for saying, yeah, it's him. Again, didn't explain why, just said I'd broken Twitter rules about hateful conduct. Um, I mean, we could Is guess that it's- were they blaming you for? No, doxing? I don't think so because I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't publish any private information about him. That was like a public review that he'd left online. It was just a screenshot. Yeah, huh. it's and then that right after that they came out with their misgendering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and to be they, clear, there's no 
appeal, you, you tried to appeal what, like what, I think you're suing them now, but what, yeah, what happened? To, I, I did appeal. Know? I mean, nothing happened. They just send you back a form response sort of reiterating what they sent you before. Like you broke Twitter rules for hateful conduct. And it's like, what was the hateful part? Like, what was the rule? Like, and nobody will tell you. Um, right. And just after I was banned, like literally like 15 minutes after I was banned, um, I think Pink News published a story about this new misgendering rule. So, which I find kind of like suspicious that all of it, they banned me and then were like, oh, got to get this info out here. But Twitter didn't ever inform their users. Like Twitter in their terms of service says, we'll inform, we'll give users 30 days notice if we're going to change any of the rules in our terms of service. And they didn't do that. They also said that they won't impose rules retroactively. So if they do change a rule, they won't go back and start applying that rule to people retroactively, which is exactly what apparently they did to me. So, you know, they broke their own terms of service. Um, right. And on, on Joe Rogan, uh, the, the lawyer explicitly used that retroactive um, argument as defense against why they were enforcing rules selectively saying, well, we didn't ban this person because that was retroactive. Uh, but when it came to you, she just failed to mention that it was a retroactive banning. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. you're seeing them now? Is that what's going on? Yeah, so we filed a complaint. We're still waiting for their response. Um, they've, they were supposed to respond a few weeks ago, but have asked for a couple of extensions. So, so we have no idea. They don't have enough resources. Too. Exactly. As if they're, they're lawyers, they don't have enough time and money to like for their lawyers to respond on time. Like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. so we'll see. I've, I have no idea what's going to happen at this point. Well, I'm glad you're suing them because um, one of the things that I'm worried about with all this Twitter banning is you've now got a push from people on the right to um, censor. Like they want like regulations and they want the government to get involved. Um, which I don't know how you feel about that, but I don't like the idea of the government trying to censor or tell people what they can and can't say on social media or get involved in that at all. And But I do think the right kind of way to attack this is Twitter false advertised, right? They they presented themselves as this open platform and it's fraud. Uh, exactly. And so that's how you should go after them. So I'm I'm glad that you're doing that. Yeah, so it's on, yeah, it's on the basis of false advertising and breach of contract, exactly for those reasons, because Twitter CEOs announced over and over and over again publicly and under oath that they were a platform for free speech, and that they weren't going to police people or ban people for ideological or political reasons, and then started doing just that. And like, I, I mean, how many people that would have joined Twitter, if they knew that Twitter was going to ban people arbitrarily or for ideological or political reasons, nobody would have. People wanted to yes. participate in this platform because they wanted to engage in public discourse and public conversation freely. And that's what they were told that they could do. And, you know, so Twitter amassed this like huge, huge user base, which they profit from, obviously, because that's how they, they get ads and that's how they, they sell ads to advertisers um and then all of a sudden change their mind and switch the rules on everyone and still right. won't be accountable or transparent about what the freaking rules are or what they're doing or why they're banning anyone like it's like you know you you have to at least give people the opportunity i guess not to break their rules 
And beyond that, I mean, tons of people on Twitter have said the exact same things that I said and much worse. And, and of course, haven't been banned at all. Like people, you know, send death threats and violent threats. They've sent me many violent threats and death threats on Twitter. Um, and those people don't get banned. Twitter yeah. allows graphic pornography on, on, on their platform still. I mean, there's, there's an account on Twitter um, called Latina Abuse, which posts like literal graphic pornography of like, uh, you know, like abusive racist pornography. And there's tons of accounts like that. And Twitter knows these accounts are there. They have lots of followers. Um, another account I think called LA Direct Models was recently accused of being engaged in sex trafficking and their porn account, which also posts graphic pornography is still up. I mean, right. like it's completely hypocritical and you sort of have to wonder who Twitter is in bed with, <laughs> you know. It's totally selective, yeah. I mean, we allow those kinds of accounts to stay and then to ban me because I, I don't believe that it's possible for people to change sex. Yeah, exactly. I like what you said about, uh, again, I'm going back to the uh, debate just because I watched it most recently, but you, uh, you said at one point, the issue here is that I will not lie. And I love that because that's something it's, it's trying to explain to people. It's one thing for you to have your own identify as X, Y, Z or whatever, but to then try and compel others to speak those words that are not true. Um, I find it completely, I mean, it's terrifying. And uh, it's, uh, these people are, these activists are, they're like wannabe tyrants. They're authoritarians. Like they, they, there's something, I think they get off on the control aspect of it. And they're working for, they're working for Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) I know they're supporting like a a multi-billion dollar corporation in censoring and silencing free speech. And like, they want to pretend as though they're like radical progressive activists. I mean, and go around accusing other people of being fascists. It's like, do you know what fascism is? Like, do you know what you're doing? You're literally, sorry, that was my buzzer. Ah. I don't think they do know what fascism is, fascism is, by the way, but that's... <laughs> they must not. I mean, what they're yeah. doing is is totally authoritarian and dictatorial, and they're bullying people and threatening people into adopting their, you know, what I view as essentially religious beliefs. You know, they're these, like, cultish yeah. beliefs rooted in nothing, rooted yeah. in fantasy, rooted in, in nothing scientific, nothing that's evidence-based. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sure you and I disagree on a, a bunch of topics, but I, yes. you know, with, with respect to the <laughs> patriarchy stuff, I always thought it was funny. Like, so I, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in a huge patriarchal conspiracy, but if I did, I, I think like that the most brilliant move would be to convince a whole bunch of people that if I just put on a dress, now I get all of the, the products of the feminist movement for the last, like, several decades. Like, feminists have worked hard to get to, like, push towards equality and get equal treatment. And like, it's like a bait and switch at the last moment. I can just, if I, if I want to be uh, a misogynist, I'll just put on a dress. And now like, I can say anything I want about women and, and demands to get treated and, 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 and be in women's sports and use women's restrooms. It's, 
it almost seems like a sick joke. It's not funny, but it seems like a sick joke that's being played on actual feminists. And I'm yeah. saying that is not a really, but. Well, and it ensures, I mean, it's a, it's totally a means to ensure that men aren't held accountable for anything they do. So it's like, oh, like you did something violent or you're acting like a creep or you're acting predatorial or you're acting like an asshole or you're acting like a misogynist. Like, oh, but I'm a trans woman. I'm actually female. So I'm not actually doing any of those things. Like I have every right to be here. And yeah, and you can't criticize me. Um, Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with transition houses is particularly um dangerous and kind of gross because so here in Vancouver um Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter which is Canada's longest standing rape crisis center and they have a transition house um where they they house women who are escaping male violence and they only serve women and they only allow women to train as counselors and to be collective members and to volunteer and answer the the crisis line um which makes sense because if you're escaping male violence, like you want to be around other women, you don't want to be around other men when this is your your place that you're living in this space, you want to feel some level of safety. Um, and so they have been under attack for a really long time because they don't let men, AKA also, you know, trans women into the, the transition house. And recently they lost like a pretty big grant from the city, a $30,000 grant from the city because trans activists went after them and said that they were discriminating because they won't let men in. I mean, they call these men trans women, but they, they changed the language so that it was like they had to serve people, not specifically women. Right. Wow. Like, it's like they're, they're, you know, they're going after all these things that women built up themselves, you know, women, built up transition houses and built these services themselves from the ground up they they did this work themselves you know it wasn't just handed to them and now everything is being destroyed by these these loud this like loud minority of, of trans activists so i don't think we've said enough controversial things so uh <laughs> we, don't, we don't have enough conflict in this episode so uh can we talk about Islam for a second? Because I have a, this is a beef that I have with a lot of feminists. Um, yeah, is, I don't have, I, I just want to say like, I'm not like a super expert on this issue. And I, that's I, okay. I don't know. That's how. okay. I, 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 you can say I, something I, controversial. <laughs> I, I will, I, but, but I want your opinion on it. I want your opinion on it because I, I look, I, a lot of feminists are, are critical of, of, uh, um, misogynistic undertones or structures in Western society. And, and that's fine. And I get it. And like, that all makes sense, but they're very silent on Islam, like completely silent on, on what I view as like an incredibly oppressive, not just for women, but for anyone who's steps out of line, trans and, and queer included. And, and yet it, it, I, n- I never hear a peep from feminist circles about, Hey, maybe, there's some bad things about Islamic culture that we should address. Yeah. Um, well, why you is that? You talk about yourself. Like you're only allowed to, because of this like new, like postmodernist, like super hyper individualistic, narcissistic movement we call the third wave. You're not allowed, you're only allowed to speak to your own personal experience. Your personal experience is like completely valid no matter what. 
um, you're not allowed to talk about other cultures or criticize other cultures. And if you do, then you're Islamophobic or you're racist or whatever. I mean, it's again, it's like odd and hypocritical because then they like, as we said before, they, they like to speak on behalf of these other groups and so-called cultures. But I mean, you're supposed to kind of like accept everything with an open mind until your brain falls out. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it is they have a uh it it is narcissistic and it is this kind of they have they have a, a phrase that they use which is i'm sure you've heard which is stay in your lane so you're not allowed to talk about things that aren't in your lane um yeah, or write about I, things like i don't know if you guys followed the the controversy in in ya twitter like i did yeah like it's like where all these these authors are being you know, there's uh, there are several authors whose books were criticized and then like canceled before the books even came out <laughs> because they're censoring they before things self that were like what? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, like, some of them, I say some of them self-censored. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so you have to in order to write about something, you have to identify in that way. Um, so, you know, men can't write about women, white people can't write about people of color, but then it goes into like way more hyper detail than that, because these two authors whose books were canceled were people of color, I believe, but they were writing about cultures that weren't specifically their own. So you're only allowed to write about things that you personally identify with and experience and know about, which is kind of ridiculous and obviously extremely limiting and it, but they contradict themselves too because they also they i've also seen them go after young adult authors for not being quote diverse enough in terms yeah. of their character so it's like a double-edged sword that you can't please them yeah it, i don't know uh it's I, it is it's so controlling it's like this I, they have this idea that they can just control what everyone else does and says and writes and and thinks Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, I think they've been pretty successful at it. Um, if for no other reason, then they've got a lot of people self-censoring. Um, well, they use empathy. So another thing in that that debate you had was a guy mentioned, one of the qu- questioners, he, he tried to use empathy against your position, basically saying, well, you may have reason on your side. <laughs> like I mean, that's but you're not empathetic yeah and and i love that you're like how is it empathetic to shut down or or to to uh end funding to women's abuse centers you know uh they don't have they don't have claim to this moral high ground that they pretend to have or to empathy no i mean they that. don't care at all about how their behavior and activism and how this discourse is impacting women um i mean these these are people who defend threats and harassment and you know like I know women who've lost their jobs and these smear campaigns these people say awful dishonest things about anyone who doesn't toe the line and they're destroying women's services they're they're ensuring that people are scared to speak um they're actively in my opinion harming women and girls and then they have the audacity to accuse us of not being empathetic it's like yeah. your entire movement is like this like fascistic like authoritarian like hateful like movement that that's about controlling other people through threats but they and they use that they use that i think people 
who Carter and I talk about this a lot. I think there's a lot of people that I, that are what I would call SJWs or people who subscribe to that ideology who are well-intentioned. I also think there's a lot of people who are not, um, but the well-intentioned people are afraid of being seen as, or called a racist or a turf or Islamophobe or, or they're afraid of being seen as unempathetic. And so that fear, they use that fear to keep people silent. Um, I have a confession to make when I first started following you and, and like I said, a few years ago and you, um, so you were a writer and editor at Rabble, which was a feminist site, right? And just say, yeah. Right. And so you kind of got, at least from the, tell me if this is a wrong representation, but you were sort of ousted there because they started to say that your writing was transphobic. And yeah, I mean, a bunch of people started a petition against me. It was, you know, main, mainly sex work lobbyists. They started a petition against me. They had been complaining to Rabble for years, trying to get me fired because of my writing against the sex trade and my challenges yeah. to prostitution. Um, so, and they used this like transphobia claim and they kind of lumped this all in and also accused me of being racist because I'd criticized a, a nude um spread Laverne Cox did in Allure and I didn't even criticize Laverne Cox I just criticized the idea that it was somehow like empowering and super feminist for Laverne Cox to to pose nude because he's identifies as a trans woman but yeah so there's this big petition to have me fired Rebel didn't fire me I mean they they couldn't I hadn't done anything wrong they like combed through all my old posts and writing and determined that I wasn't racist or transphobic or hateful or whatever. Um, but I mean, I did eventually leave because they, they censored me. So yeah, they took down one of your pieces. Yeah, right? So something that was published was then unpublished um, because I was criticizing this like gender neutral language that Planned Parenthood for example, was using to refer to, to women like menstruators and pregnant yeah. people. And I was like, there's no pregnant people. There's only <laughs> pregnant women. And like, why are you referring to women as menstruators? It makes me sick. It makes me sick. It's like, it's such a horrible thing to say. Um, because it's, they, they view it as for anyone who's confused, they basically say it's uh it's not inclusive to call women because some men get pregnant and yeah, some men menstruate. Some men, meaning trans men, menstruate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, so here's my guilty confession. That fear, when I first started leaving, because I was full on, I would say, SJW for a long time. And uh, um, when I started changing some of my beliefs, I was afraid, just like people who write me now all the time and are like, I'm too afraid to like your video or whatever, but I'd like it. Um, I, I created a... Um, another account on Twitter. I had an anonymous account where I followed you and interacted with you and some other people I liked once in a while, but I was too afraid to do it under my real name. And that fear lasted about six months. And then it finally, I'm like, I can delete this account now and just say what I think under my name. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Liberating to say what you really think, but yeah, I mean, well, it makes sense because like people like will bully you just for speaking to me. Right. Like, Oh yeah. just for interacting, people get bullied. Like people are bullied if they sit on a panel with me. Um, I had a lot of professional feminists, but like SJW feminist friends and acquaintances through my work. And, um, and yeah, they talked 
crap about you all the time. And, um, and yeah, they will bully you and they will unfriend you. And now that I speak my mind, like I, I got unfriended by one of them because I, I liked something that Christina Hoff Summers said, who's yeah. a feminist. But it, but it's just this weird, you know, it, it's cultish. Other opinions, yeah, like it's insane. Um, you're not supposed to even read certain things. Like if those people have been labeled bad, you shouldn't read their words. You shouldn't listen to them. You can't uh, definitely can't agree with anything that they've ever said. You can't treat them as human. You can't interact with them. It's really. But, yeah. but think about well, that for a minute. They don't want you to read the words or listen to what the person's actually said. So yeah, how do you they want you to hate it? They don't want you to understand what this person is talking about, but they want you to hate it and and criticize it. I mean, which is why all their critic criticisms of me are is such like garbage, right? It's like you haven't read my work at all. You have no idea what I think. Like what you're saying is not true and makes no sense. Either you're lying or you just have no idea what I think and what I'm arguing and you haven't tried to understand so that you can respond in, in a coherent way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's like all virtue signaling. Like it's so easy to be popular and be like on the right side of politics just by attacking people who are the bad guys like me or whoever else. Um, and it's designed it's to so prevent... Yeah. It's designed, it's designed to prevent getting at the truth also, because look, I mean, I'm, I have pretty strongly held uh, beliefs that I think are rational, but I'm, I'm wrong sometimes. And I don't find that out unless I talk to people who ha who are also willing to interact with me and have other beliefs that are, they think are rationally held. And like, that's how we find the truth. And uh, this whole, this whole culture of not listening, not reading, like, don't listen to what she has to say. Don't read that. To me, the only reason to say that is because you're afraid that there's something that's true that will convince people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't care if people read the uh, the ramblings of, of of opponents of of mine on positions or whatever. Like, I, I think I'm right, and 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 we should have a debate or or argue about it or whatever. But. The only reason for me to say don't read it was, I guess, would be because I'd be afraid that you would find something that would contradict what I want you to think. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think people are afraid that they'll they'll interact with or engage with these ideas that are supposed to be the wrong ideas and that they'll find that they're good ideas or that they'll agree with aspects of it or they'll find that they're true and then they'll have to change their own positions and then they'll become the bad people and they can no longer be like righteous on the internet. So they just yeah. kind of block it. And I mean, I, I feel like I've been there. Like, you know, I spent a lot of time just talking to other people who already agreed with me. And I just started to get really sick of it and bored of it. And when you start exploring other ideas and positions, you find some of those ideas and positions compelling. And yeah, I would rather know the truth. Than just to be like, I don't want to spout mantras or, or you know, like <clears throat> limit my my opinions and, and arguments in that way. Like I want to have good ideas, not bad ideas that are based only on the fact that this is what I was told to think or this is what my friends think or this is what my political allies think. Like, and, you know, doing that is going to make people mad at you and it's going to piss off your friends and allies, but I think that it's more important to, 
to find the truth and to be authentic and to to have good solid ideas yeah, and have the courage i mean one of the i think one of your defining attributes is that you've had a lot of courage to say what you think and uh you know that's important and it's there's a there's a lack of it certainly in in the the hyper um bully culture that we are, we're in um right now so yeah is it is it getting any better in like i'm i'm not in feminist circles and uh you know i don't think carrie really is too much a- anymore is it how, what percentage of kind of, let's say a college age, you know, my daughter's several years from college, but let's say, you know, she's going to grow up, she's going to go to college. What's the, what's the makeup of what um, women are being taught on campus today? Like, is it mostly uh, the kind of radical feminist ideology and some of the trans activism or is it, you, you know, is I think it- it's a mess. I think that everything that they're learning in gender studies, I mean, I don't, they don't even call it women's studies anymore. They call it gender studies. Um, when I first started college, it was still called women's studies. Um, and they have, they aren't exposed to radical feminist theory at all. And they, and you can tell by the way that they protest me. Like when I, I spoke at UBC last week and there was like a protest and you know, you can tell by the things that they say about me online. They have no idea what I believe. They have no idea what the feminist analysis of gender is. They don't know anything about the history of the women's movement or women's rights. Um, They, all they know is this like weird jargon. Like all they do is they repeat these weird mantras. They understand like, queer theory and like words like cis and gender queer and I mean and I don't think they understand these words they're just like spouting nonsense and they've been told and this is encouraged or at least accepted by their professors too which is really sick that you know we're bad evil bigots and that they shouldn't listen to us and that we shouldn't even be allowed on on campus to speak like you know, the, the UBC like student paper, and I went to UBC journalism school, the UBC student paper published an article about me and my event. And the the young women who wrote it did not attend the event or contact me for comment. And they, wow. they covered the event. Wow. And they talked about like, you know, and they essentially published libel about me. You know, they, you know, like they, they, the headline was transphobic speaker. It's like, that's like libel. You're publishing libel. This is what you're being taught journalism is. This is acceptable to your journalism instructors. This is acceptable at a university. Like you don't even know how to do journalism and you're being taught that it's okay to lie about and smear people, you know, because that's what everybody else says. Like, they're mouthpieces, like they're just mouthpieces for the ideology, but they're not actually investigating. Like you said, they're not doing journalism. They're not, it, they're not engaging with the very things they're, tr- they're pretending to be experts on. They're just repeating, uh, like you said, the mantra. It's a, it's a, I don't know. I, some days Carter, Carter's asking like, where do you think things are going? Cause I think we want to end on a positive note. <laughs> But some no, I mean, I, really, <laughs> I, we can end on all positive. Okay, okay. I mean, I honestly, I think people are getting so sick of this. Yes, like, people are getting so fed up. Like, I don't think it's 
it's looking good on college campuses. I'm very concerned about what's happening in academia today. Um, but I think that in terms of the general public, I mean, we're at least starting to have the conversation. I mean, in Canada, there was no conversation or debate happening around gender identity. I mean, which isn't to say that, you know, feminists weren't talking about it and challenging it, that the media wouldn't cover it. Um, and, you know, there were no public events. And now at least there, there's these public events happening. Like I did this debate recently. I did the talk last week at UBC. We had the event at the Vancouver Public Library. Um, we're doing another event on May 9th at the Croatian Cultural Center that's specifically about gender identity and kids. Um, and Ken Zucker is coming and a young woman who detransitioned. So, you know, we're having the conversation. People really want to talk about it. You know, lots of people show up to these events who are quite um, diverse politically. Like, I really like the audiences who show up. Like, it'll be, there'll be some radical feminists there. There'll be like men's rights activists there, if you want to call them that. Um, There'll be people who don't know much about the issue and are just interested. There'll be the trans activists. Sometimes there'll be professors. There'll be the like free speech people. Um, and in general, the the conversations are relatively respectful. You know, nothing terrible happens. Um, so I feel good about that. And yeah, and people are getting really mad. They're really getting really fed up with <clears throat> what's being fed to them by liberal media. Um, by their progressive friends, this thing where you have to kind of toe the line, this like nonsense where men are, you know, the thing thing around sports where males are getting to compete against females in sports has really pushed a lot of people over the edge because they, they can just see without even having to think about it. They can just see that it's wrong. They're like, no, no, no. Like, this is not fair. This is not cool. Right. Yeah. Like, this is going too far. Yeah. So, I mean... We'll see where we we end up, but I do think that people are getting fed up and, and starting to to talk about it and, and speak out about it. I think so too. Well, I, I saw um I saw some people on Twitter who were talking about a recent speaking event between Roxanne Gay and Christina Hoff Summers. Right. I um, saw a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like the the people who were appalled by how the audience treated uh, Christina that that this was new to them that they this was the first time they were seeing this kind of hatred oh, okay. um and so that was very encouraging in a way because it's these seem like people who maybe they weren't used to um speaking up in this way but they, but like you said they're they it was over the line like it's it's uh it's turning people off put, you know it's as it starts to affect more people but. Yeah. And I mean, this, yeah. And like this thing that happened with Twitter, I mean, people were just so many people were so angry. Like I've had so much support from all kinds of different people over that because they can see that it's ridiculous. Like they're like, she was banned for saying that men aren't women. She was banned for like talking about this dude who's clearly like a predator, like, you know, or at least, you know, I shouldn't, <laughs> is engaging in predatorial behavior. It doesn't um, matter whether you should be able to say whatever you want as long as it's not, you know, you're not threatening him. Uh, yeah, physically. well, exactly. Fair comment. Um, um, but yeah, like it's like, you know, people are, are not into this censorship and they see it as like us going down a very dangerous path, which we are. Yeah. No, you used the word authoritarian before and I think you're spot on with that. It's a uh, 
I, you know, as someone who's not on the right or the left, they both think I'm, you know, right wingers think I'm left wing and left wingers think I'm right wing half the time, um, depending on who I talk to. But uh, yeah. I miss I miss the time when, uh, you know, at least we all kind of agreed on freedom of speech and we could have our conversations with each other totally. um, and sides could argue and sometimes yell and get snarky. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a big deal. And we all kind of supported the freedom of speech. And now I just... Um, it really does feel like authoritarianism ha has crept in. Um, and I'm, I'm not only am I worried about it from the left, but frankly, I'm worried that there's going to be uh, an authoritarian backlash from the right to counter the authoritarianism from the left. And uh, people who are just kind of rational and want to seek the truth and respect freedom of speech are going to get squished in the middle. Yeah, well, I mean, it certainly has played a part in pushing people to support Trump and things like that. I mean, I think people just get so fed up with the way that the left is behaving and the fact that they they won't they won't allow challenges to leftist mantras and leftist arguments and the way that the left kind of vilifies anyone who disagrees with them and the way that the left is like basically opposed to free speech and they're like, "Well, screw you. I'm going with these guys then." You know, like yeah. it's not helping. Yeah. 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 That's I a very interesting phenomenon. Note. <laughs> oh, the positive note? Okay, well, here's the positive <laughs> note. The rest of us, those of us who aren't on either extreme, and we outnumber, it's just that they're loud, they're vocal, and they are... Um, they are running a lot of these, they are running a lot of the, the social media companies that, that are essentially the public square online. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot of SJW friends who work or former friends, I guess, who, <laughs> um, who work at some of these companies and it's really, it's, it's taken over there like a religion, like Google, it's like a cult there. Mm -hmm. um, but so they have a lot of power, they have a lot of influence and they're loud, but there's a ton of people in the middle somewhere who are not one of these extremes who just, I think as they start to come into contact with it, they're, they're going to be like, no, like, like, like seeing these people on Twitter who were appalled at, at the uh, treatment of, of Christina, it's like, or people who were appalled at what happened to you, as they start to hear about these things, I think all those people and the, the vast majority of people are not going to go along with this. So are not going to go along with censorship and violence and, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, and certainly, yeah, like it, it, it really is a minority of people who are who are doing this and sort of are being allowed to appear as though they're bigger than they are thanks to platforms like Twitter. Like mm -hmm. Twitter is creating this false narrative by by banning people and censoring people for political and ideological reasons and sort of propping up these minority progressive views, the, the views of SJWs. And so they're making it appear, and I think they're doing it on purpose, as though this is a majority opinion and it's already been settled and there's no debate and it's just not true. Yeah. Yeah, it's social engineering. Yeah. Yeah. So Megan, are you elsewhere? Are you, did you, um, I, th I think I heard that you were on Minds. I think we might have a, we have like a Minds account, but we don't really use, are, are you on Minds? Are you on Yeah, like I'm on Minds. I haven't really been using it too, too much. Um, I've used it a little bit. Uh, I mean, I do, yeah, like I hope that there's other social media platforms that will kind of take off. Like I like the idea, obviously, of social media platforms that support free speech as Minds does, but um obviously it's tough like you know like you want to be on 
social media platforms where your friends are and where there's the people that you know are there. So, uh, you know, who knows, maybe people will start moving over from Twitter um, because of, unless Twitter decides to address all yeah. this. Well, I mean, I but. think there, there is an issue with like Gab as an example of like, uh, you know, usually the worst possible people get kicked off with Twitter first and then now they're kind of encroaching. Uh, you're not an example of that. I'm not implying that, but like, you know, they, they kick a lot of really bad people off first. And like, so those are the people that seed some of these alternate universes. So when you go into Gab, it's like, wow, these are, these are pretty crazy people, some of them. Um, and it's a higher percentage of those people than there would normally. And it, it's a shame because it kind of makes it even more difficult for regular people to kind of go and start using something like Gab or Mines and, uh, and abandon the big players. Um, but but there right, are more you know. radical feminists on Gab now. There are, and there are, are people. Uh, yeah, and I've I've interacted with some of them. I think I think uh, that's why people need to come over because you don't want that that small I'm minority. Good, I haven't been using it. Maybe I should try more. I kind of just like forget about these other platforms. I do too. Yeah. So, but I, I guess I should I should try a little harder to. And I'm not like I'm so lazy with like new technologies and new platforms. I'm always like, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to figure this out. So if anything's like marginally like confusing or not completely user friendly, I'm like, this isn't the same as the other thing that I was <laughs> I don't understand. But maybe I'll try to use those more if if you say that there's other feminists there. Um because yeah, I mean we can't like we're so dependent on Facebook and Twitter and it's really sketchy. Like yeah. we're so dependent and I hate Facebook. Like I have to use Facebook for my work and obviously, you know, to keep in contact with other people, but like, I hate the, the way that they control my algorithm. Like no matter what I do, I just see the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm like, I don't even know who this person is. Like, and you know, like I've, I've, I've done all these things that you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to like, like people's posts so that Facebook understands the kinds of it's like I don't see stuff from my friends I don't see anything interesting I don't see like interesting articles or opinions I just see the exact same thing over and over and over again from people that I don't even know and you know like how much is being kept out of your feed and it's just not useful to me anymore like I used to get my news from Facebook and now it's like you know like I'm not really getting anything out of it because they're controlling everything that we see in this mm -hmm. way that I mean I don't find particularly interesting or engaging but yeah these companies it's like they 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 ensured we were all dependent on them for pretty much everything and then started cracking down on what we could say like it's so sketchy yeah it really is well I I hope you uh I hope you kick their ass in the in the yes. lawsuit so, so um, <laughs> we'll all be going for you how can people um how can people follow you? Where do you want people going now to see your work and support you? Uh, well, I have a public Facebook page. I have a public Instagram profile. Uh, I am on YouTube. I haven't done too, too much with the channel, but I'm trying to do things with the channel. Like I'm interested in um, engaging with people that I haven't engaged with in the past. Like I don't only want to talk to other feminists. So, you know, like I'm going to continue to do feminist current, obviously it's an important platform. I obviously there's lots more to say about women's issues and feminism, but I also want to talk to 
diverse people. So that's sort of why I started the YouTube channel is to like have a space where I could interview and engage with different kinds of people about different kinds of things in a different kind of way. So I'm going to keep doing that as well. Maybe next time we talk to you, if we do, we can talk about all the stuff we disagree about. Yeah, that would be fun <laughs> and interesting too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People want to hear your the the story about Twitter yeah. and, and stuff <laughs> first, but uh, yeah, of course. Um, it, yeah, it would be fun. I'd be happy to come back and disagree with things, disagree about nice. with you, or maybe we won't disagree about so many things. I think like sometimes I or other people assume that like we're going to disagree about all this stuff, but then when you get down to it, you usually end up agreeing. On more well, I actually, I, I just interviewed a porn blogger. I haven't posted it yet. Um, and asked some questions about like, isn't it bad? Doesn't it do the, and I actually think it would be fun to, um, maybe have a conversation with someone who's, uh, a feminist who kind of supports, uh, porn and sex work and, and you, because I actually don't completely know. I, I know kind of philosophically where I stand and, and legally, what I think, but morally, I'm not totally sure on some of it. So uh, yeah. it'll be a fun. Um, yeah, that so could anyway, be totally interesting. <laughs> yeah. And Megan, you so have look, a you have a Patreon as well, right? Where oh, people yeah. Can well, the, link, the link's going to be in the thing, by the way. We'll put links to uh, all all the links that you sent me. We'll make sure in the description here. Yeah, there's a lot of links. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I have a Patreon account, so people can support my work there. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks awesome. for coming well, thank on. Thanks for, for talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really great to talk to you both. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Megan. Okay, take care. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Everyone else, thank you for watching. Um, you can support us by basically spreading, um, spreading the news. You can share the videos, follow us on Twitter. Um, we actually have a, a publication on, on Medium. Um, which we haven't put too much in, but I've written some stuff there and, and I think Carrie has or is about to. Um, so yeah, please just follow us, share, and let us know what you want us to talk about because um, Carrie and I are really enjoying these conversations and uh, always looking for stuff that the audience wants us, us to, to talk about. So thanks for uh, watching Deprogrammed. Um, yeah, go to Twitter, follow us at, uh, at Unsafe Space. Until then, see you next week.